0: and I'm with ITIQ Tech Recruiters. We're happy to support BIV's CTO and CIO awards for 2020. We are a national recruiting company specializing in information technology recruitment. We provide IT professionals on a contract or permanent basis to our clients. Give us a call if you're looking to build a team across Canada or hire remotely. Thank you.
1: Hey, welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news show from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm reporter Tyler Orton, and this week, BIV is unveiling its 2020. BC Chief Technology Officer, Chief Information Officer Award winners. And with us today is our Startup CTO of the Year, Colin O'Connor. He's Chief Technology Officer at Precision OS. It's a cool startup company in downtown Vancouver. It's best known for developing virtual reality tools and simulations for surgeons. And Colin, I'd like to both congratulate you on the award and uh, thank you for joining us on the program today.
0: Thank you for having me. And it's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to accept this award on behalf of the company.
1: Well, it's a very cool company. I, I, I've had the pleasure uh, of writing about it. And uh, from your perspective, what is it about virtual reality that you think is just so vital right now at this moment?
0: Um, I think uh, virtual reality is a great way to be connecting people. Uh, and remote uh, collaboration is a, is a key component of some of the learning that's going on right now. Um, I think there's been a big push for different uh, multiplayer initiatives and different ways to uh, train and educate various users across the landscape.
1: And what has kind of the uptake been like, especially when we think of the impacts that the pandemic has had on the way that we all work and the way that we all learn right now, how is virtual reality kind of of vital importance at this very moment in time?
0: It's uh, it. It was a bit tough to begin with,
1: um, as the
0: pandemic first rolled out. I think it was a very um, a lot of our surgeries closed down. We work in the um, orthopedic medical space, and with a lot of the elective surgeries closed down, um, that side of the business really slowed down. And the medical device companies that we work very closely with um, had a, a hard time getting our VR headsets out into the field and training surgeons. But then. As the landscape evolved, um, you know, we work very closely with uh, various uh, institutions and it became important that the residents and the followers continue to learn and evolve. So that's where the multiplayer initiative really came on board and uh, we managed to get our headsets into quite a few different universities uh, across North America and they're being used to do uh, remote collaboration and remote training now.
1: Well, what's kind of fascinating to me is when you look at the company one of your co-founders is a surgeon by trade as well uh you have kind of the technical expertise how do you guys kind of meld like the the different visions and making sure that it works from a business perspective as well
0: that's uh that's a very good question um i mean education and training are the the killer app for for vr and ar as far as i'm concerned but Quite often there might be a, a product market fit, um, but then how do you monetize that? <laughs> uh, how do you bring that to market? How do you um, you know, make sure that um, you, know, you can continue that work? So uh, we've been working very closely with the medical d- device companies, and those are the companies that make the implants that go into the body, and they have um, unique procedures around arthroplasty uh, arthroscopy, which is which is joint replacement and various things. So, working with Danny, who is a practicing orthopedic surgeon um, and is in the OR a lot, we knew how to uh, approach medical device companies, and um, we were lucky that some of these medical device companies are at the forefront of VR and training and see it as the future. So. Um, working with the sh- surgeons, um, a few of us have shadowed surgeons in the OR to look at their workflows to see uh, what are the critical parts of their steps and how we can mimic that in VR. And uh, it's, it's, it's been um, very rewarding.
1: You know, I had the opportunity maybe a year and a half ago to go visit your offices. I was able to look at the computer monitors and see what you guys were developing. But um, maybe illustrate that for our our listeners and our viewers. What is kind of the experience like once, you know, somebody goes in for training in this virtual environment? Okay, so um, we we use uh, game engines,
0: effectively, for, for VR. There's Unity and Unreal out there. And we've gone Unreal because, with Unreal because it has a very high um, fidelity. Then we've laid in a uh, medical-grade simulation on top of that Unreal Engine to procedurally m- manipulate bone and meshes so that uh, a surgeon or a trainee can go in there with a saw, and they can cut anywhere and ream anywhere. And more importantly, they can make mistakes. Right. So we're one of the only companies with VR training out there in, in the orthopedic industry that allows you to fail. And the ability to fail and repeat um, and learn has been coined uh, double loop simulation. And it's one of the key differentiators in, in the company. So when you go into VR, we'll take you through the steps of a procedure, and it might be shoulder replacement, hip replacement, knee replacement. And there might be, say, eight steps in that, but two of them, might be critical where you have to put a pin or saw in the perfect angle. Um, 3D spatial awareness is very, very important for uh, orthopedic surgeons. And some people come by it naturally and some people don't. So for those that don't come by it naturally, we provide a great platform to be able to um, train and make mistakes in a safe environment, repeat, and get better and better.
1: But what what is the experience like as a maybe I'm sure as a non-surgeon you you've given it a try but if you're a non-surgeon like um, using this is it, how how may your perspective on it all uh, kind of differ?
0: Uh, as a non-surgeon, I mean, in in VR uh, we we have the shoulder completely open up or the hip open up. So as a non-surgeon, it can be a little bit overwhelming to see big parts of the body. What's what I call the approach into that area all opened up and, and uh, depending on the person, they can get, it can be a little overwhelming. Um, but then um, we have step-by-step instructions, voice, uh, narration as well. They can guide you through that. Um, it, it's a little bit daunting. There's a lot of medical terms flying around, anterior, posterior, um, you know, lateral, medial, all these various things that, that a resident knows uh, so for the, for the layman, it can be a little bit hard, but we are training nurses on the software as well. Um, nurses, uh, surgical nurses that uh, want to make sure that there are a couple of steps ahead of the surgeon. So they like to know the surgery quite well. So we've seen a lot of traction in that area
1: as well. Well, what was it that maybe drew you into pursuing, you know, something involving VR surgery? Because I, I, I get the sense that's know that you're doing something that will make a difference and make things easier in people's lives. But I don't know, I, I, I don't want to take the words out of your mouth. What was the impetus for you?
0: Well, I've worked in the,
1: um, video game industry for about 24,
0: 25 years and worked with interactive graphics. I've had, uh, various startup companies and, uh, the last one closed down in 2016 and I wanted to make the shift into something that had a bit more purpose. Um, I wanted to stay in interactive graphics. Um, AR and VR lent itself well to that, Um, but then a fortuitous chance encounter with with Danny led us to brainstorming around education. Um, He's a world-class educator. He loves education. He's and we, we were brainstorming around how we can do this more, more effectively. So I introduced him to VR, and it blew his mind. And he said, this is the future of education. So, And then from that point there, we built out prototypes. Uh, Rob and Danny and myself built out various prototypes. We needed to make sure that we could get traction with the right business community. But most surgeons that go into VR, into these modules, once they've been in there, they understand it's the future yeah. it's of training. Yeah.
1: Well, you brought up the gaming sector, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started in New Zealand. Uh, what ended up bringing you out to Vancouver to kind of in here? Uh,
0: it's a good time to travel. <laughs> I came here with a uh, with a one year work permit, um, and New Zealand and Canada are both beautiful countries with with wonderful people in there. And um, I managed to get a job at Radical Entertainment uh, and worked, was writing assembly code on the Super Nintendo system. So that, that goes way huh? back now. So <laughs> over the past like 25 years, I've shipped dozens of games on most of the major platforms. Um, and uh, and I ended up staying, I, I fell in love with BC and, and the people here are incredible. I'm, I'm very lucky to be part of, uh, uh, two amazing countries.
1: Well, how is it that you know the gaming sector? And it might not seem super obvious to somebody who doesn't work in it, but how is the gaming sector you know such a good you know stomping ground for somebody who's now working in virtual reality?
0: Um, we use a lot of the same technology. We need to be able to um, how we lay out and build a uh, orthopedic module is very similar to like how we might build a mini game. There are steps. There's a design. Um, we have to figure out how they're going to interact with the tools in VR, their hands, um, getting the hands into the correct space. So, uh, a lot of the, like VR is unique in that it needs to run very, very fast, 60 frames a second, two cameras. Um, so the hardware has to be very good. You have to be wary about st- stability and optimizations. And then when the quest came out last year, um, that removed one of our biggest friction points, essentially. Um, unfortunately, we had to connect a lot of our VR gear to laptops and sensors, and that was a big friction point for the medical device industry and for institutions that weren't used to that type of, uh, uh, of a tech setup. So when the uh, Quest came out, which is an Android device, um, it removed a lot of that friction, and people can get into VR a lot quicker. But it's very hard to make uh, VR software because it has to run very, very fast. So, whatever simulations you have running on in, in the background, they need to be spread across multiple cores. You need to be utilizing uh, the GPU very well. So, um, a lot of the tools, technologies, and workflows uh, we use to make games, we can make VR education software with as well.
1: Well, I, and maybe going back uh, to to the gaming discussion just a bit, I'm just curious. But as you said, you, you did uh, dozens of games over across like all, all the platforms you can imagine. Is is there one in particular that uh, I don't know was just really cool experience for you to work on and, and learn from? Um. So uh, I started up United Front Games
0: with with about ten other co-founders, and uh, one of the first games we made there was. It was true crime at the time, but it ended up becoming sleeping dogs. And um, I worked for four and a half years on that game. It was a long game. It's one of the hardest games I've I've ever shipped. And our team grew to a size of about 180 people. So we evaluated Unity and we evaluated Unreal 3 at the time. This is going back 10 to 12 years. And we essentially wrote our own um, game engine from from scratch for that with world streaming and and various things so just just the amount of um, technology behind that your own rendering engine um, and then all the tool sets and uh, it's an open world game so it was an enormous undertaking a lot a lot of work but um, it ended up being a very very good game that was received quite well so
1: well, it, as you made the transition to VR, you know, was there something that you learned there that, that kind of surprised you, something you didn't even really think about as you were doing all this development that's um, now you're glad to have known it, but maybe you wish you knew it at the time?
0: I think the thing that surprised me the most was just developing the user experience and the UI around picking up a tool. You're holding a controller, and you, you have a tool in your hand. Maybe it's a, a saw, or maybe it's a different type of instrument. Um, there's no way to give you haptic feedback on that as they go with the bone. So we have to use other tricks. We have to, if you're drilling through the hard part of the bone, the cortical part of the bone, we have to, we do pitch shifting of the drill um, to make it sound like you're going through a harder bone. You don't want to plunge down the other side of that bone. Because uh, you, the way you damage soft tissue and nerves and stuff like that. So, using different um, audio, vibration, and other sensors, visual sensors as well, trying to feedback what you're doing because we're designing around the, the limitations of VR and there's no actual force on your hand. So, um, that's been one of the biggest challenges in uh, developing some of the software.
1: You know, uh, what was maybe. I, at this point, I, I know it's kind of like picking favorite children, but what would be like kind of a career highlight uh, so far uh, working in all the different industries that you've uh, been in? I, I think I
0: think this, uh, the software we're working on right now is, is to me the perfect culmination of all my experience up to date, including the business experience um, and the interactive experience and leading a team um, and then targeting towards that um, taking that towards a market that is uh, is ripe for innovation. Medical, you know, industry moves very, very slow, and that's one one of the things that kind of took a while to um, adapt to. We are used to uh, getting uh, projects from publishers up and running in two, three, four months, but um, it was like a year lead time sometimes in working with the uh, with the industry. So just getting around that, and also. Um, the clinical validation around this is very, very important. You know, as a surgeon talks to a surgeon and say, well, you know, have you proven it? Have you you proven it's more effective? Have you proven it's better? There's a lot of science that goes on in the medical industry, which, which there should be as well. So the fact that we have multiple studies now proving this is like 570 times more efficient in learning VR than reading a PDF. And, And it's even more efficient than watching a video. So we've, clinical data that's validating what we're doing right now. So,
1: yeah. Well, I'll leave you off with this one last question, but as you look at the Vancouver landscape and, uh, you know, kind of as you pointed out there, there's like this crossroads between say gaming now VR now uh, we also have the VFX industry mm-hmm. uh, we also have you know the the, uh, the life sciences sector as well how is it kind of proving to be like a, a pretty cool place to be at kind of the crossroads of all these intersecting industries and being able to develop what you guys are developing right now
0: I I think it's a very exciting time in Vancouver I think we are a VR AR hub. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting work going across the industries. Um, we're drawing in resources from the film industry. We've got. Film-